Hey, Tracy. Hi, Jimbo. How's everything going? It's going pretty well. You know, I'm just uh, recognizing that the weather's changing. It's getting a little colder and I'm still working from home. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that stinks. I miss everybody. <laughs> Well, but it is colder now, so you can just, you know, bundle up inside, I guess, and be all cozy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's true. Watch all the weather change outside my window. Yeah. Well, um, who are we talking to today? I'm so excited when we get a chance to talk to principals who are in the field working, and this is an ESEA winner from Kansas City. Her name is Shaneel Roberson, or Roberson, I'm not sure, but I think it's Roberson, and we're going to have her come and visit with us uh, about all the work she's been doing at her school. Now, she was identified uh, as a winning, winning school before um, the coronavirus came and affected the way we do school. So we'll be curious to hear also how she's been making changes with her staff, but uh, very okay. successful. Okay, great. All right, let's give her a call. coming across as well and it's because of this one cord I hadn't plugged in and uh, you know that's just how it is so we'll no, sound no. we're going to sound distant <laughs> like we're off you know in, in the end of the block at the beginning of this taping but at least we figured out but this is Tracy Vandeventer not the first mistake I've made with you I am so sorry uh, earlier too I had associated you with the wrong school but I'm going to be really clear at the beginning you are with New Stanley Elementary in Kansas City am I right yes Yes. Okay. Kansas City, Kansas Public School. We are so excited to talk to you. I'm with my uh, podcast co-host, Jim Martin, here. I'll let him introduce himself. Hello. How are you? This is Jim. Hi. Hi, Jim. Nice to meet you. And will you say your name again for me? Shanyel. 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 Mm -hmm. Love it. Yeah, it's a beautiful name. Thank you. We are so excited to hear from you about the work at your school as an ESEA nationally recognized school and, and to hear about you also and, and how did you get to this place uh, where you're leading this school and being so successful. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your school. So a little bit about me. I am a 40-something mother of two boys, ages 15 and 21. I enjoy reading, listening to music, dancing, and watching sports events. This is my 25th year in education, wow. and I'm currently in my dream job as an elementary school principal. <laughs> it doesn't get better than kids skip into the bathroom, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And tell us about your school. So my school is the Stanley Elementary. We are in the heart of Argentine uh, in Kansas City, Kansas. And we uh, have a population, a uh, 75% uh, Hispanic population, and we also have about 10% uh, African-American, 6% uh, to 7% Caucasian, and then we have other uh, nationalities as well, from Asian as well as um, African uh, Somali. So we are a kind of a melting pot in a sense. Um, we have 54% of our students who are English language learners. Um, and we pride ourselves on being uh, very individualized with our student approach, um, with uh, ensuring that every student is getting what they need. 
Tell us about that. How have you set up a program that allows you to focus on each of your kids and, and to and to have that differentiated approach? So one of the things um, that we feel is very key is that um, you're tracking, you're continuously tracking student progress. And so what we mean by that is that each day as teachers are teaching, um, they are noting as they go along, as most educators do, uh, throughout the lesson, um, who's getting it, who's not getting it, what types of errors might they be making. And so um, being culturally responsive and in that moment, um, shifting their instruction um, to be able to meet the student's needs. And if that is not something that seems to work for the student, then we have our uh, Tier 2 and Tier 3 programs um, that we have been able to provide through our Title I funds uh, and to ensure that students are getting the support they need to make that progress and make that growth. Do you have a kind of a standard way that you're doing that tracking? You know, I've seen some schools where they almost have like a a clipboard and they're making certain kinds of notes about ways that kids are responding or is yours a little more fluid? Um, it is actually um, both. So so when I first came on board as a principal at New Stanley, uh, we were definitely using the clipboard and tracking. Um, we continue to do that, but then we also have a school-wide um, data uh, board that is electronic currently. Um, and everyone in the school, you know, our um, Title I, um, reading aid, reading and math aid is able to access it. Um, our integrated arts, so that's our music, PE, um, art teachers are able to access it. Everyone in the building is able to access it and look at students and where they are on particular standards. So this is a standard space tracking. Um, and so they're able to then, as the integrated arts teachers, as the reading and math um, support teachers, able to um, look at each student, group those students, maybe pro provide separate projects or have in their lessons um, the things that they need to be working on. And was that in place when you got to the school? I, I actually, I'm not sure how long you've been at New Stanley. I've been there since 2017 as a principal, and um, there were beginnings of that, um, but it was not necessarily universal across the entire school, um, and so um, we, became, we made that very universal. Wow, I love that idea of that electronic data board because you know we've we've seen um, you know versions of that uh, data walls or or whatever that are more you know manually based. Um, but uh, I you know we're we're in electronic world now, so why not move it electronically? How how does your school use that once it you know now that it's in place? So. We currently use it to do a lot of our uh, reteaching. We also use it to create the small groups that teachers are going to have inside their classrooms, as well as our support staff um, are able to create those groups. Our ELL teachers are able to look at information and then better um, support their students in small group instruction. So it's really um, a case-by-case, student-by-student, and then putting those students who have some similar needs together um, being able to um, be facilitate learning for them. Are there common assessments associated with that data uh, or electronic data board, or is it just sort of teacher choice up to teachers to determine how standards are being mastered? Absolutely, we use uh, common assessments. We um, engage in our weekly PLC meetings where we review those common assessments, and that is where we then enter the data 
in and we can take a, a, a really good snapshot of who on that particular grade level and then in each classroom needs more support, who may not need more support, um, but we do even look at those students who are above grade level and how can we support them to continue to grow as well. I'm, I'm so excited to hear about your standards-based focus. And uh, as we just sit and visit about it, you know, it sounds like it's a pretty easy thing. Oh, yeah, you know, they're just doing standards-based grading. But I believe that is really heavy lifting <laughs> because, you know, for one thing, it's difficult at times to get a team of teachers to agree on what an exemplar is in a certain standard. So did you guys have to dig into that at all, or did that come pretty easily for your group? <laughs> it did not come easy, and you are right. It is heavy lifting, um, but I am always optimistic, and I always encourage uh, my teachers, and I let them know myself, uh, we are forever learners. We're um, lifelong learners, and so what are the best practices that are going to move the students and make sure, ensure that they are continuing to learn? And so whatever that is that we have to do, then we need to do it. And so we did a lot of studying um, of leverage leadership and going through those data meetings, how to create those exemplars, how to have those conversations about um, the teach facts. Um, so we did a little bit of, we began to do a little bit of practicing of lessons prior to teaching to the students. And so how all that works together for the better of the students. So your teachers actually were practicing what they were hoping to be, a, a, you know, a, a lesson focused on that standard, even before they went in front of kids, just to practice those strategies. Is that what I heard? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So, so that is, and, and you know, do we get through every all parts of the lesson? Probably not. In a, you know, PLC is about fifty minutes or so. Um, and so what happens is we go through those key pieces, which is usually what that introduction, because we want to make sure we have that exemplar, we explain that correctly, what is the key vocabulary, what is our target, all of those things that we want to make sure that students explicitly understand. Are we conveying that in a way that they can um, take it in and grapple with it? What are two or three different ways we might need to present it to ensure that each student is getting it? And so we would go through pieces of that lesson to ensure um, that they were getting it. And so giving each other that critical feedback um, was something that we also worked on. Um, you know, as teachers, we want to be nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so, um, you know, uh, we're, we're, we don't tend to want to let our um, our our teammates um, give them any feedback that we feel might make them feel less than. But it's not about feeling less than. It is about what am I doing that I can change to be better for my students. And so that is the focus that we um, looked at as we were doing that. And so it was a little difficult, um, as I said, but we worked through the kinks and um, everyone's on board with it at this point. So, Shanyao, um, we... Um We've talked to ESEA winning principals and other award winning principals in the past. And, you know, the things that you mention, um, I'm familiar with other schools that are doing those things but are less successful. What do you think is like the key to your success? Because some, sometimes um, the principals that we talk to make it sound so easy, you know, and <laughs> make it sound so straightforward. And it's like, well, yeah, like that, that seems, that seems doable. But, not everybody's able to do it. So what what's the difference between your school and maybe some other school that that is maybe I know that 
Go ahead. Uh, Sorry. No, go ahead. Well, I was just uh, saying, know. you know, another school that maybe is is doing some of the same things but not having the same level of success. So I know one difference is um, I talked a little bit earlier about ensuring that students uh, have that sense of belonging, um, students and families. And so um, this family is a very inviting school. And when I say that, you know, teachers reach out, they definitely reach out. Um, we um, do home visits at the beginning of the school year if parents are able to make it to back to school night. Um, we're currently in this pandemic doing porch visits to make sure that um, persons are getting the items that they need and have what they need. Um, so really digging into the community itself and becoming a part of that community um, and not just the, here's the school community and then here's the community around us, but being a part of that community, making the students and families feel welcomed and that belonging. And so when we say, um, Miss Rodriguez, we need for Emilio to stay after school for 45 minutes on Mondays and Wednesdays. Um, how can we help with that? You know, um, as far as if there's some transportation problem or something we can do um, to adjust that, then we're working together. So we're working as one unit to ensure uh, that the student is getting what they need. And I know that can be cliche, but it's absolutely happening um, at New Family. I'm I'm excited to hear about that. We, we've had many conversations with guests who have talked about that importance of relationships and relationships with our school uh, and families and our school and our kids. And then also just talking about relationships within our school with each other. And I was thinking about even the vulnerability of teachers uh, practicing parts of the lesson in that PLC block of time and wondering, was that, was that comfortable? And do you take turns? Do each teacher get a chance or is it typically the same teacher or they volunteer? And, and you know, how, how have you been able to work through that place where I'm asked to perform in front of my peers and get that critical feedback? And so the, the answer is yes. Each teacher has an opportunity, and in fact, I mean, in general, and following the protocol that we were learned, we are we were learning is um, the fact that actually the novice teacher goes first. So we get the novice teacher to we get their take on what they feel an exemplar should be, and then we add to that. And then when we get into the teach back part, um, each person is um, allotted some time to kind of write out what they would. Um, be doing um, and then they kind of read through it walk through it and then we're giving feedback so um, again trusting your teammates is is key I heard you say that and so we have large pockets of that um, most of our PLCs are definitely at that point um, and the ones there may be one that may not be there yet, but we are definitely supporting them. Um, mm -hmm. Part of my Title I funds go to an instructional coach. So we do have an instructional coach in our building mm -hmm. who works and scaffolds with any teams that may have some hiccups yeah. or things that are happening. Um, but in general, we definitely are, are moving forward with that and being able to trust each other uh, tremendously. And when you have that, you can move through the progress. Yeah. Are your PLCs once a week? Um, they're actually twice a week. Oh, wow. Um, so once a week, once a week, um, the instructional coach and myself are part of that PLC. 
Um, in the beginning, we kind of helped lead those PLCs around that work that we were just discussing, the building of the exemplars and common assessments and teach back. Um, but now that we have been in the work, uh, we have began to hand that over to the team lead uh, for our grade levels and departments. And so, um, and now we're kind of coaching them through how to lead that work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that it could be sustainable. So are you and the instructional coach at both PLCs? We are at the, we are at one PLC where we do that work. The second PLC is where they actually go in and look deeper at the data mm-hmm. and then um, begin to plan some reteaching okay. as well. And so they have time to do that. And, and where are the kids during this time? I'm always curious about how manage uh, it. Yeah. How leaders oh, make so better. They reality. are. Yeah. So the students are um, actually in their support classes. So they're integrated arts, art, music, PE. Um, and we do have a library a librarian and they go to a library class as well. Um, but one of the things that, as I mentioned, um, spending that title one money that I, on Wednesday, uh, in person, we did have an opportunity to have like every third Wednesday, um, it rotate my grade level. They had an additional 90 minutes um, to do plant intervention work as well. Um, and so that was funded through our Title I funds, um, having those additional support staff, um, being able to work with students while they were um, in those sessions. Yeah, wow, you've done some really powerful work on yeah. trying to use your time that you have and, and adjust so that you've got lots of opportunity for teachers to get together, look deeply at the data, and uh, support each other and the upcoming instruction that needs to take place. And then to have that extra 90 minutes every, I don't know how often you said that happens, maybe five or six About weeks. once a month. About, About once a once month. A month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that provides you a way to do the intervention at a much deeper level when you've got a bigger chunk of time you've you've kind of got a perfect dreamy schedule in my mind um i may want to have a copy of that just to <laughs> yeah just to sell would. on the side of teachers pay teachers or something no <laughs> and you know when you have a staff that's very flexible yeah. um when you have a staff that's very flexible and very creative in how they can also manage things um because our ELL staff has been phenomenal in adjusting their schedules and being able to create their groups where they are able to be in classrooms because they are certified teachers. So they're mm-hmm. able to be in there, still have their groups, and those teachers are able to walk away and be a part of that intervention planning. So um, just thinking about the staff you have in your building and how they can be creative with their schedule um, to assist the general education teachers and giving them that time to be able to do some of that um, deep um, planning and intervention work as well. Yeah. So I know you said that um, this is your dream job, um, and I agree that you know being an elementary principal is one of the best jobs in the world. Uh, let's say that you're swept off to some district position or you know something that you know takes you in a different direction someday. Do you do you see this being able to be sustainable? Like, are the teachers going to be able to carry this on without you, or um, do you, do you feel like they're owning it enough that they can do it once you're gone? I absolutely absolutely do believe that. 
And so that, again, was the whole purpose in uh, myself and the coach um, handing that over to our team leads and those teams to begin to lead that work. And they've done a great job moving forward with that. So I, I absolutely believe that it will be continuous um, and that it will be continue to be duplicated um, in the years to come. Yeah, sustainability is such a hard yeah. thing. And um, so I'm glad to hear that you're really paying attention to that because, you know, all too often when a leader leaves, a lot of their good yeah. strategies leave with Sometimes them. Sometimes it's hard, yeah, to maintain. Yeah, yeah. I have a question. When you're thinking about your, you know, coming to the school and really tightening up on some of the standards-based grading, it sounds like you've done some work on your schedule and getting focused on that differentiation so every kid is getting the work at that just right level. What are some of the biggest surprises that you've had um, in, in coming to the school and, and helping that school grow, what, what was it that you were like, Oh, I never thought that would be something I'd have to work on, or gosh, I never thought this would be tough for us. What, what were some of those surprises? So coming into the school, some of the surprises, um, were again, um, just narrowing down each student. And so while we were doing that in pockets of the school, why wasn't every teacher doing that. Um, and so um, that was surprising to me um, coming from the classroom into coaching and then an administrator because that was just my livelihood. What can I do to make sure each student succeed? And again, pockets of that were happening um, when I reached New Stanley um, and just getting everyone on board. So making sure that everyone knew the expectation was that we are all um, doing this and doing this deeply. Um, had great programs definitely before I got there. And like I said, this was happening. Um, but I, but we just had to get a few more people on board to understand that this was the expectation. Nice. What, what has your school been doing, uh, since coronavirus swept across the nation? Are you always, uh, home learning right now? Have you done any face to face? What's, what's your school working on right now? Well, right now we are online. Um, however, if there is or any issues with connectivity, um, it's not just New Stanley, but in our district, Kansas City, Kansas Public Schools, we have what are called connectivity hubs. And so uh, we put all the proto proper protocols in place. There are appointments made and students can come and get connected um, and, and ensure that they know how to use all of the functions of our uh, learning management system, um, of Seesaw, all of those types of things. Um, so that parents feel comfortable um, with that learning and being able to um, carry that on at home. And so we want, A, make sure they get connected to the Internet. And so that's one reason that Connectivity Hub is within our school by appointment uh, for a couple of hours, um, a few hours a week is an option, um, as well as we do lots of um, outreach. So we have our counselor and social worker who is also doing calls to make sure that our students and families, social and emotional well-being is taken care of. And I do a little bit of that myself as well um, um, when I have that additional time. And sometimes I have to make time, um, you know. So yeah. um, we're all doing those things um, to make sure that, A, students are socially, emotionally healthy and their families as much as possible. Um, with whatever resources we have, and then be that they are getting the academic support um, that they need and being able to connect and, and, and work through those academics. 
Have you been able to keep up any of the work that you were doing before, like with tracking student progress on the data board and, um, you know, maybe even PLCs, virtual PLCs? Yes. So we do continue to have our PLCs on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then also as far as our, our data board, it is in place. And so what we are currently doing are, is looking at priority standards um, because we know of the amount of time um, that um, one would have to have on a Zoom or any other type of virtual call. Um, we are just making sure that we are capturing the priority standards, not saying we're not teaching the other standards, um, mm-hmm. those foundational standards to build up to it, but we're capturing um, the work around those priority standards and then figuring out what are some mini lessons that we can um, create and develop, um, 15, 20-minute lessons that we can do live, that we can also record um, and have available for students um, in their learning management system to push, continue to push that learning. Are your kids mostly synchronous or asynchronous? So um, they are both. And so um, what we have established um, through our district and our remote learning plan is that 20 to 50% of the day is um, live session. Uh-huh. And so um, you can imagine that in our primary grades, it is it is closer to 50 percent sure. um, as um, our kindergarten, first and second graders um, need much more support um, as expected. And um, as well as our upper grades, it's not to say that they're not receiving 50 percent. Um, that, that is kind of up to their grade level and the teachers and how they work their schedule. Um, to make sure that all students are supported. And in fact, um, you know, whole group, it could be that students are online, 40% whole group, but teachers are definitely still doing that small group instruction as well um, through um, part of that time. And then also there are some one-on-ones. So students can pop in a Zoom. Teachers have office hours where students can pop in. with Students and parents, of course, can pop in with questions um, or concerns or something around the academics or anything that's happening with them. So I love how you've been able to just take that structure, that base that you had, and even though it's had to shift, and of course it's maybe not as robust as you'd like because of the just the simple challenges of that working, you know, through online materials. Tell me about your EL support. I think that's been one of the hardest um, to really tackle and feel like you're doing it in a, in a really positive way for some of the other schools that I've talked with. And I know you said you had certified teachers in those EL positions, and they used to push in to your classroom. So how is their support right now? So their support right now is is about the same because they do collaboration as well as a uh, some small groups as needed. And so they're actually doing both. Um, They are present um, in the classrooms where the collaboration is going to be more feasible. And then for those students who um, show the need, they are also pulling small groups and working through lessons with them to scaffold the learning for them. How do you feel like your teachers have been holding up with some of the demands of distance learning? You know, it's isolating uh, it's, it's difficult. It's, you know, I've been comparing it to, it's like teaching underwater. Everything takes longer. Um, how do you feel that they've been able to make that transition and even just their own mental health and feeling of, of community for your teachers? And it's been a struggle. Of course, it's been a struggle for all of us. But one of the things I wanted to, to attempt to do 
was to mirror what we do in person. So, of course, we absolutely cannot do everything, and I don't intend to impress upon them that we're going to be, but keeping those PLCs in place was, was something that was critical um, as um, we went through the spring, uh, coming back into the um, fall semester, um, just making sure that they keep those connections with their teammates um, mm-hmm. and have that life lifeline, so to speak, um, to reach out and not be isolated in that bubble, um, but having that continuous communication around academics, but as well as just around life in general. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, part of our PLC, the first five minutes, we take time to do check-ins. And a lot of times I'll say we're checking in and it's not professionally, we're checking in mm-hmm. personally. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what's happening, what's going on, uh, share with us um, what you would like, um, but just giving that opportunity um, to be, off of the professional side, but into what is what is happening with you, what is something you might need or something that's going on um, that you want to share. So making sure that that, A, that those PLCs were in place to keep that connection. And then we do um, twice a month still have staff gatherings, so staff mm-hmm. meetings via Zoom. Via Zoom, we have staff meetings and um, we go over some of the, you know, things that are happening. And then we also have some, um, what we would call downtime. To just mm-hmm. kind of see each other and, 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 and hang out. So on, on our Zoom. So we're, we're doing our best to make sure that everyone is taken care of um, emotionally um, and professionally. As well. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, I, I'm just curious have you have you been in person at all since March or is, has it just been continuous virtual? It has been continuous virtual. Okay. Mm-hmm. Our plan, well, not our plan, the district plan, but it is our plan is um, that students would return in mid-January. So mm-hmm. that was passed by the board, um, our last board meeting. However, um, the caveat to that is based on the gating criteria and where our numbers are in the in Wyandotte County at that time. And so um, that absolutely can be true that we would begin a hybrid model in January. Um, but it also may not happen depending on the numbers of cases um, in our community. Have your families been pretty supportive of the continuous virtual or, I mean, here in Utah, we've had families that have been supportive of the virtual, but then we've had some who've said, no, we want our kids to be back in school. And so uh, just wondering how they're reacting there. Moms against masks. Right. We have that here. <laughs> That's a thing. Well, we I haven't seen that yet. However, um, we um, have had some parents who, you know, struggle. They are working, so they're trying to figure out sure. how they can support students at home while sure. they're working. And so that's another reason. Again, I'll go back to the community of which the school is in. It's phenomenal. Um, we have several churches and other organizations in the community that have created pods. And so they have these pods where parents are able to drop their students off um, two to three times a week. And in fact, the YMCA and the Boys and Girls Club is every day um, throughout the week. And Mm. so there have been some, um, what I want to say, solutions or resolutions to um, those pockets of families who really needed that additional support. And so kudos to our community. Um, who are, are out there and they are um, those essential workers now who are on the front lines and working with students and families directly um, to ensure 
um, the academic support. And so with that being said, we are definitely partnering with them. Um, once we have information from the parent that it is the go-ahead, it is okay to talk to those support staff at those buildings, we are definitely working with them to make sure the students are um, progressing academically, that they're on their um, Zoom classes, that their work is getting turned in, they're attending and those types of things. So um, we have had some pushback from a few families, but we have been able to provide them with some support. I would say the majority of families are concerned about health first. Yeah. And so when we first announced it at the beginning of the year, um, you know, it's very supportive and they continue, most of them continue to be very supportive because they are aware of uh, what's happening in our particular city and county um, with the numbers of COVID cases. Yeah. Wow. Chanel, we, we usually end our um, podcast with one question, and that is if you could step into a time machine and travel back in time to talk to your younger self, maybe when you're first getting an education or, or maybe a different time, what advice would you give your younger self? Advice I would give my younger self is to uh, don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> continue, you know, continue to grow um, and just don't be so hard on yourself. Um, I think a lot of times as our younger selves, uh, you know, those of us moving forward, very ambitious, um, we tend to be a little hard on ourselves and we need to understand that growth is continual, learning is continual. And so as I got older, I came to that point and that understanding. So. Yeah. Here, here. Don't be so hard on yourself. We right. could all <laughs> use a dose of that, right? <laughs> Especially yeah. in some of these trying times, things are just not what we're used to. And uh, it's good to give ourselves a little room and a little grace. Yeah. And educators tend to have really high standards. So, uh, can be especially hard on themselves. Right, right. We want so much for ourselves and for our our students. And uh, so good advice, good advice. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate you taking time out of your life to come and be with us and, and to share some of your insights about the work that you've been doing. Again, we talked about this earlier. Sometimes as we speak about it, it can sound like, oh, it's just simple. You know, you do this. But we know actually the work you've been doing has taken time and effort and really building and bringing your community together with that focus, uh, that laser-like focus for every student. And uh, congratulations to you and your staff and all of your students on their continued growth uh, for creating this environment where you are always striving for more. So thank you for sharing all your insights with us. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Chanel. It was nice to meet you. Nice to talk to you. Have a great rest of your day. I will. You do the same. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.